Welcome to Rugby Uncovered. I'm Paul Rodriguez and I'm here with Tom Nash and Sarah Cox is our guest this week. She's an English rugby union referee and a former rugby union player. In 2016, she became the world's first professional female rugby union referee and in 2018, the first female referee to referee a premiership rugby match. Welcome to the show, Sarah. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Very good. Now, what should we call you if we were on the pitch? Uh, if you're on the on the pitch, I would say, sir. I uh, I'm not too precious about that. I must admit. So is that something that's consistent across across all rugby games? Because I've heard female referees being called ma'am. Yeah, so there's a little bit of confusion, and it's a, a question that I get asked quite often. Um, it's kind of how I see it is that it's not um, specifically relating to my gender. What it's, what it's actually doing is that it's a way for the players to communicate with me and start that line of communication. So it's how they address me. So for me, it's about the respect side of things and they they address me with a respectful way in doing that. And if that happens to be served, because they're so used to that, I'd rather they use something they're used to and comfortable with than feeling uncomfortable with the way in which they want to communicate with me because I need those lines of communication with, with the captains and, and other players. So if that means that they say, sir, to start that that conversation, I, I don't really mind, to be honest. Right. So that, that's that's really a personal point of view, though. So that's not always the same for every other other female referee. And it's, it's entirely up to, to how they want to be addressed. But sir, ref. I'm more than happy with those. Right, interesting. So how did you first get into rugby? So a long time ago, my dad played and he he never really played to a high standard, um, bless him. But uh, I used to go and um, and watch him and and I've always been around sport as a kid and I've really enjoyed it. So I kind of looked down the avenues of of, um, playing and I, I originally used to play golf, kind of gave up on that side of things and, and did my GCSEs and looked for something whilst I was doing that and, and in education and, and rugby popped up because I was an avid um, fan of it at the time. And uh, I used to watch the Exeter Chiefs when they were in championship and I used to follow those guys every every weekend and it kind of sparked a, a bit of a, I kind of want to, to go and play and not at that time there weren't a great deal of female teams around so I kind of hopped around a little bit just trying to find a place to, to play and I, I landed on uh, Columpton to start with and then we moved over to, to Exeter Saracens and I, I kind of played under under 18s for those for those guys so it was great um, and it was it was lovely to be involved in and then I kind of I kind of looked down a different avenue after after a couple of unsuccessful England trials and landed on their referee and here I am today. Fantastic. So in 2016, you became the world's first professional female rugby union referee. Does that mean you're in the Guinness Book of Records? <laughs> Do you know, uh, no, not as far as I'm aware. But, you should be, um, right? <laughs> well, you're the first person to suggest it. So uh, I've never really thought about it like that, if I'm honest. With regard to rugby, the laws of rugby which I got into trouble just before we started before we came online because I I call them rules and they're not rules they're laws the interpretation of the laws is very much in the hands of the referee in any particular game and obviously you've played the game and you can see both sides so you've got a kind of unique position the players themselves will be trying to work out how you're interpreting the laws in order to play their match because they may have to change their strategy depending on how you've decided 
to interpret those laws. How do you decide yourself to in- interpret the laws? Do you look to other referees or do you just use your common sense? Actually, all of it, all of the right. above. Um, so obviously, having been involved with, with playing originally, um, and I did that, I did a fair stint at it, but it wasn't anything substantial enough to say that I, I could be, say, qualified to, to go into coaching and be able to, to really kind of put my foot in the door with regards to that. So I've got a sort of understanding with regards to the player side of things. Um, it then comes down to experience um, and it comes down to experience through the levels. So I, I started right at the, the, the very bottom of the, the community game with my society and I've worked my way through right up to, to where I am today. So again, it comes with that type of experience and it also comes with interacting with players. Um, so I spent a lot of time coming when I was coming through the ranks. I spent a lot of time with Exmouth uh, Rugby Club, and I did a lot of training with them. I did fitness with them. Um, I did kind of technical sessions with them to, to look at the way in which they developed and how they developed their players. So I could have an understanding of how players wanted me to act. And there were times where I, I did a game, and afterwards. We kind of we'd have a, a discussion about how I presented myself, how I did something, and it wasn't always the best. And they'd give me feedback on that and say, "Well, us as players, this is what we're looking for." And I go, "Okay, well, me as a referee, this is what I'm looking for. So, how do we find that happy medium mm. in the middle?" And then, as you as you kind of collect that sort of data, if you like, the experience then kind of mixes itself into that. The little bit of playing experience mixes itself in, and then. When you get into different environments, say championship or into the sevens environment or into the, the women's international environment, they all kind of merge themselves and you pick bits from from each each sort of area. And then you start working out, right, okay, what's best for this game in itself? So what do we want to achieve as, as a team of match officials? What are these players likely to want to achieve? And how do I best facilitate that? How do I best get the environment that these players will want from my side of things and within the control that I can have on that game. And then it's about peer interaction as well. So there's there's guys that I work with, like Wayne Barnes, JP Doyle, Tom Foley, Luke Pierce, Carl Dixon, those guys, where I will ask them questions, but I'll also ask the guys in my society questions as well. I'm currently the, the president of, of our local society, so I have a lot of interaction with members and, and um, executive board members to say, right, well, actually, I do this at the top of my game, but how do you guys do this? And remind me again of how we do this in the community game and, and having that understanding. So when it comes to actually doing your job, obviously most people would just see you on the pitch refereeing a game, but there must be so much more to it than that. Yeah, so it's so gone of the days uh, where a referee turns up and you kind of referee a game, come off, have a pint and leave sort of thing. Well, where I am within the, the professional game and where I'm aspiring to, to be, there's a lot more of the development and assessment side of things that goes on. So I have a coach. We will look at a game and I will look at a game minute by minute. So whether that be 15s or 7s. Um, so once I've refereed that game, I'll have probably probably a day in between just to kind of digest what's happened. And then, say for argument's sake, on the Monday, if it's a Saturday game, I'll sit down and I'll go minute by minute of the whole game. And I will look at scrums, line outs, any decisions that I may have made, any wow. decisions I may not have made. 
and any errors that I made uh, within that. And all my games get coded on a platform that I can work from. That's coded yourself for your own use. No, no. So we've got analysts that will code that in the background. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, so they, so they code it minute by minute as well. So with regards to, to what happens. And a lot of that coding as well goes to the team. So there is a little bit of, of kind of sharing of that, that information. And then I will do a review and I will look at non-decisions. So those are decisions that I've not made where I should have. I will look at errors where I've made a decision and it's wrong. I will look at ways in which I could have better um, dealt with a scenario for argument's sake and look at some of the rights and wrongs of, of what I did with regards to, say, set piece or, or, or any, anywhere else. So there's a lot that goes into it. And then once I finish that, I'll summarise everything in, in different categories. And then that summary will then go out to all of the clubs within the championship, is, which is where I operate on the, the kind of uh, domestic side of things. And so we're all on the same page. So coaches know what where I've come from. Um, I will look and I'll be quite brutally honest with where I've made errors sometimes and, and the way in which I've dealt with certain things. And then the rest of the week, effectively, from the kind of Tuesday onwards, will be training and preparing for my next game. And then it kind of repeats that cycle. Wow. Tremendous amount of scrutiny. I had no idea there was so much to it in that regard. Yeah, so you, you've got a, you've got your own personal development. You've also got that little bit of scrutiny from from the media side of things, from coaching and, and from playing. So you you've got to you've got to make sure that you cover all your bases and make sure that you're developing yourself enough to to be able to to really kind of bring that package to the next game and say, okay, well, what I learned from last time is now I can take this into into this game, and that can be anything from smiling at a player. Uh, all the way through to I made a catastrophic error that has changed something within that game. So we look at everything and my peers will do the same. Amazing. Tom? I'm still curious, what was it that made you switch from playing at the top level for your age until you were 17 to wanting to be a ref? Yeah, so... There was lots of different things um, and there were lots of things that went through my mind at a time. So... I was in an England trial and it wasn't going the way that, that I realistically wanted it to. And I took a bit of a knock and I remember sitting on the floor and thinking to myself, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And um, it was a big decision to make because it was a big part of my life at the time. And it could have, it could have been something that could have carried on if I'd, if I really wanted that to happen. But I kind of knew in my heart of hearts that that wasn't what I wanted anymore. And at 17 years old, to, to make a decision like that that is going to, to almost change the course of where your support your sporting career is going to go at a time that women's rugby is really starting to gather some momentum. We're starting to see some more interest and, and what have you. Obviously not as the same as what we get today, but um, I was kind of like, no, this, this isn't for me anymore. And I, it's just not, it's not somewhere where I want to go and pursue um, too much more time into so I looked at coaching and I was like, okay, well, realistically, I don't have enough experience at the age of 17 with regards to life to be able to give to other people to say, it's not only just about the rugby, but it's also about what life experiences I can give to you guys to, to move forward. And I, I can't do that. And it would I would be doing a disservice to those players and they'd be doing a disservice to the game. So I thought, right, okay, well, what's my next avenue? Okay, well, I'll have a look at this referee and Lark and and see where I can go with that. So I did a course pretty pretty soon after all of that happened, and um, 
I loved it for whatever reason. I was like, this is great. Like I really, I really like the idea of this and, and signed on to my local society. And at the time, um, a guy kind of took me under his wing and became my mentor. And, and I now actually work with those guys to, to make sure that I'm putting back into the community game because of what they did for me. And, and we took from there basically. And, and I just gathered momentum within the game. I loved it week in, week out. And I, the, the love for the, so the referee and sort of stuff was like, well, I think this is my calling. And um, so, funnily enough, I went back uh, a few years later to referee what I was originally involved in as a player in an England trial for, I think it was the under-20s at the time, possibly. I went back to referee that same trial, but this time as a referee. And uh, the coach, uh, Giselle Mabel, actually came up to me and said, Obviously, this, I think this is your calling. I think this is great. I, you feel, you look so comfortable and you, you look so happy and you're enjoying everything. And I really love where you've gone with this. Stick at it and, and see where it goes. And here I am, here I am today. Brilliant statement that, that you didn't know that refereeing was your vocation, but you wanted to stay in the game, however. And, and it just, it didn't happen to be refereeing, but it's, it's, it's to the benefit of the game that it was for, for, for everyone. Um, you, You've achieved so many firsts. You and Paul referred to them. You, you've been to the Olympics. You've refereed at National League One and Premiership match level. I've left loads out because your CV's far too long. I, I blame you for that. But was the <laughs> prospect of refereeing your first men's game intimidating? It was new. You were blazing a trail for women. Uh, I'm just curious. Do you know, in all honesty, I, I didn't really realise what I was doing. Um, so for me, I've always gone my career looking at myself as a referee and as difficult as that, that's like seems and, and strange to see that, okay, well, you're, you're a female within the, the referee world. I've always gone out on that pitch and said, well, I'm a referee and I'm here for a reason. And I've looked at the players, well, you're all players and you're here for a reason. So let's, let's kind of make this game happen sort of thing. Um, I can remember my first men's game, um, it was actually at Sidmouth. I think it was Sidmouth um, thirds and bricks and twos, something like that. And then I actually went with my mentor just to watch him referee it. And he said, I'll chuck the kit in the car. And I, he said, oh, you can run touch for me. I was like, oh, yeah, OK, no worries. And then I got, got there with him and uh, we went and started chatting. We got into the change room. He's like, look, I want you to referee this game. So I'm going to I'm gonna go and speak to the teams a minute and you get changed and you, you kind of get out there and do it. And I was like, oh, God, I'm like a panic setting. I was like, my God, I've only done junior level. Like I've, I've done under 13s, under 14s. What do you mean you want me to put me into a men's senior game? And I was not this game. It was just a, a bunch of lads that, that were out to have a good laugh and, and play some really good rugby. And, and I was like, okay, well, I'll have a go at this. And off I went. And there was actually a lovely picture that, that turned up in the newspaper Um completely off the back of something else to do with that game, nothing to, to do with me. And it was me having a laugh with uh, one of the players. And I, I felt that that really encapsulated what I wanted to achieve. And I kind of got the bug for it there. And it, it just kind of continued the ball rolling. And my society just kept supporting me with whatever I wanted to do and made sure that they could help me do it. So you're refereeing a Premier 15s game one weekend and then a Guinness Premiership match the next. What, if any, are the differences that go through your head as you blow the whistle to start each of those games, men and women? Are you looking for different things? or 
No, look, so so I see it as there are two brands of rugby. And the, the women's game I've been involved in for, for a little while now with regards to international. And with regards to, to um, women's uh, Pro 15s is that they, they are because they're, they're played by different players. Equally as the same as men's championship rugby is completely different to men's level five rugby. And that's just the way that the game kind of has has allowed itself to be. And I think it's great. And am I looking for different things? No, I'm still applying the same set of laws, but what I'm doing is facilitating in a slightly different way. So the way in which I facilitate the, the women's game might be slightly different to the way that I facilitate a men's championship game or the premiership cup game that I was, was involved in because they're different standards of players with regards to, to kind of, um, the way the, the game is played. So Premiership Cup games are played differently to the Championship. Championships played differently to National 3. And that's also played differently to, to women's rugby. But what I need to make sure is that I go out there and facilitate that game and, and do it so that those players enjoy that game, not focus on me. Yeah, okay. So you are the first referee I've seen to include a piece about your own physical fitness. As a referee, I saw that piece that you did with Alex Reid, um, Strength and Conditioning at England Rugby. You're, you're, almost, you're almost becoming one of the players in your head by understanding on a certain level what they go through to prepare for a game because you are, you're almost one of them. You're preparing physically for the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, I don't, I don't take impact. Well, not, not on purpose anyway. There have been times I have taken some impact, but that's not, that's because I've got myself in the wrong position. But um, with regards to, to that side of things, I, I don't go out and I don't tackle. I don't hit the floor and then have to get back up and, and do those types of things that players do. But what I do have to do is make sure that physically I can keep up with that game and at the same time, it decisions when I start to get tired. And there are times where I know as a player where you can hide out on the wing. And I used to hide out on the wing a little bit when I could catch my breath, compose myself, make sure I've, I've got enough of a focus on the game and then go back in and, and seek for the ball again. Whereas as a referee, I've got to make hundreds and hundreds of decisions throughout the whole game. And I, I don't get subbed at half time. I don't have the opportunity to to change over I've got to do it from minute one right the way through to that very last minute and I've got to make sure that I I'm accurate in doing that so by keeping my physical fitness up it allows me to keep thinking logically and keep making decisions even when I'm fatigued and and that piece that we, we looked at with with Alex I was um I was actually rehabbing at the time and it was really important to, to not only get me back to fitness but also make sure that I could get back to fitness and, and mentally be in the right place to do that. Mm. And, and as, I, as I thought about it at the time, I said again, you, you are like one of the players in a sense. But, um, but anyway, okay. So my daughter is 15. She's interested in rugby, thanks largely to her dad and uncles. She's not so keen on the prospect of the physical contact involved. What would be your advice to her based on what you've experienced since you were 17? There's lots of different avenues. And I think that it would be wrong for me to, to sit here and say refereeing is your only avenue that you can go down because that's not the case because we know we've got such a, 
a depth within our, our game of rugby. So there are the likes of, of the, the programme of O2 Touch that you can get involved in. And where I've been involved in that as a referee as, as well, and playing within those and, and that local community that, that's within that. You've also got the, the background staff with regards to like your media, your managers and, and, and those people. So there's not always just one avenue. Of course, have a look at refereeing because that for me, I've, I've, I've found the, the place that I want to be and I enjoyed rugby the most. But that's through also experimenting with other sides of the game. And I'm looking and making sure that I know what is on offer to me. So, you know, there's, like I say, with the touch side of things, and if you're not looking for contact, touch is a great way to stay fit. And I've, I've, I've done that in the past in, in um, the off season where I've gone down to a local touch club and I've been involved with that community, but I've also been involved with my referee and, and, and that's the path that I chose to, to make sure that I want to go down. But there's lots and lots of ways that you can get involved with the, the referee inside of stuff, every county has their own society. It's about kind of contacting them. The RFU have got a great page. Um, it's called Keep Your Boots On, where that will give you lots and lots of information about where you can pick up courses, how you can qualify, what sort of network is available to you, and, and some of the resources that are in there. And just making sure that you, you kind of explore those avenues and make sure it's something that you're happy to do and and that you want to kind of really, really embrace and, and be involved in. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The the RFU's six-year plan to introduce professionalism to the women's game is halfway through. Um, we were involved in women's football when it was at a similar stage, um, and we've seen it develop to the stage it's at now. Now, nobody's ignoring the effects that COVID-19 has had on sport, but, but what are your main hopes for women's rugby between now and, and the summer of 2023, in three years' time? Just to keep gathering momentum, keep putting that exposure out there and, and showing people what brand of rugby is about. I, I live down in Exeter and there have been a couple of the, the women's internationals and being involved in the community, I've had a lot of people that come up to me and said, I really enjoyed watching uh, the, the Women's Six Nations game. Uh, there was one from Italy, I think, and there was, there was a, a French one as well. We really loved being there. We loved the atmosphere. And the demographic was was so different. There was lots of people getting involved, lots of families, a lot more females watching female sport. And it's just about keeping that exposure and keeping that movement and keeping that momentum so that people become aware of it and we break the stigma of of it being completely different and we we, we push it down there yes this is going to grow and um, it, it's, it's going to become something that that we've all wanted it to to become yeah i mean paul and i've talked about this you and Susie appleby and 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 others are fantastic role models in that respect um we we uh, applaud you for that. Um, Claire Hodnett still has two day jobs. She's a solicitor as well as a referee. Um, you and Paul talked about it earlier. Until 2016, you were in the same position as Claire. Um, do you prefer your life since becoming centrally contracted by the RFU? It's very, very different. Um, I can't say there's a preference between either. I, you know, I, I have been in that position now, you know, um, Claire Hodnett is now now retired with re regards to having to balance those two sides of things but I'm always in contact with, with her and and actually going back and looking at that and saying okay well how did you manage that I you know 
I, I was at one point balancing a, a nine to five job in a marketing role for a company that was looking to to grow quite quite substantially whilst going away on on seventh international duty whilst also doing that in the 15s game of the international the, the six nations and any of the other games that were, were coming up but also domestically so my week was was involved Monday to Friday with work and then Saturday and Sunday with, with rugby and I was, was going back and asking my, my managing director look can I have some more time off and thankfully he kept supporting that so there's but I, I can't come around and say I didn't like doing that because I very much enjoyed it and it has given me some some skills that I would never have got if I hadn't been through that and how to balance my workload, how to, to make sure that I use my time wisely. And so if I hadn't, hadn't have done that, moving straight into a professional um, role where the time is, is more geared around that, that sporting side of things, it would never have given me that that concept of what it looks like with a Monday to Friday job and then what the sporting world looks like because they're two very, very different things and they've got some big fundamental differences, but they've also got some big overlaps as well. And I, I love the, the job that I do at the moment, not having to go back to an office and try and balance the budgets and try and balance the, the kind of sheets to know that you're the one that is starting to, to kind of have to be the one that you looked at a little bit more with regards to those those budgets is great but at the same time I, I can't thank that job and, and my managing director enough to, to say you gave me some experiences that I will never ever be able to get again because that effectively is, is passed now and we've moved on so I don't say I to to go back to to your question. I don't think there's a preference between the two. I, I've taken some really valuable lessons from the both of them, and I I absolutely love what I do now. If somebody was out there wanting to learn the laws of rugby, what are the resources that they could use to help them? So we've got lots of different resources, and um, there's one with World Rugby. They do a law exam, um, which you can go on. You can sign up. And you can actually um, go through that exam and it'll give you a little certificate at the end of it. Um, picking up the actual law book itself. So there's an app and there's also the, the physical book in itself. And what I used to do is, is kind of watch a game of rugby and then have a look when the referee says something. Because every referee these days, um, when it's televised, is linked up to, to the TV so you can hear what they're saying. And I think that, that helps us immerse ourselves in the game and, and kind of really connect with that. So you know what that referee is doing. So when the referee used to say, I'm penalising you for not rolling away. Okay, well, I'll have a quick look in the law book. What does that say? What does that look like? Oh, okay, so I can apply that. And look, that was because I personally had uh, a vested interest of, of a route that I wanted to go down. I'm not saying that that's the same for, for everyone else. But also about talking to, to local referees and, and talking to people that every community has has referees and it's just picking their brains i used to pick the brains of players after games and say well what's what does this law look like how do you interpret it and what is it that you look from me and then also there's there's the the rfu side of things so with regards to their website there's lots of resources on there that can push you to to certain places to have a look at the laws there's um We've had a lot of online webinars uh, recently, one of which I was involved in with regards to, to kind of referee positioning. So there's lots of things out there that you can keep keep your hand in and, and have a look at. But the rules are complicated and it's, it's a game that I don't think we'd shy away from that it, 
it is quite a complicated game with regards to how we play it as well. So applying laws and watching how someone plays it can be quite difficult. But once you get the idea of things, you kind of start picking up naturally what what it looks like and why certain things happen and so on and so forth. Do you, do you think there'll be more technology that comes into the game to help you ref? Look, I'm, I'm lucky enough that in my Women's Six Nations that I can um, I can actually use a TMO. So I can I can kind of have that backup plan if, if I need it. Um, is there likely to be more technology involved in the game? Of course there is, because we will live in a world that technology is constantly evolving and it's constantly looking at different ways that we can do things. And I think that's that's only going to add and, and enhance the game where we can look at, you know, we've, we've started to look more at, at player GPS. Um, they also put GPS on on us as referees as well to see what we what we do and, and comparatively uh, looking at that as um, players versus as referees. Um, we're looking at the analytical side of things. So, you know, like I alluded to earlier on, is, is our games get coded very similar to what they would for, for players so we're looking at that side of things we look at the physical side of things of, of how technology can play a part in that so it's only going to keep evolving I think it's just naturally going to do that within the sport let alone specifically just for, for referees Another interesting aspect of rugby compared to say football is the respect that the players have for the referee and it's something my daughter I would prefer her to see more rugby matches than football matches given some of the, the behavior towards referees that occur in different games absolutely Look, comparatively we you could say that you can't compare them because they're two very different sports and I obviously know the domain of rugby and I know how I conduct myself with those players and if I'm respectful to, to, to them, uh, I mean, more often than not, you get that, that same respect back. Now, it's the same in every walk of life. You walk into an office, you, you will find out where the, the, the kind of lines are of that office and, and where, where you can push those boundaries. And, you, you know, we've, we've, all, we've all been in um, kind of employment of Monday to Friday office side of things or, or very similar, where... You know, you can have a disagreement with another employee, but you always have that respect for that person. And that's the same in the game of rugby that I found is that you always have that respect and you can push those boundaries. But once you find those boundaries, it's about understanding that we've got the respect for each other to say, we're not going to take that any further. But if you do take that further, then as a referee, I have a duty to the game to tell you and highlight that that's, that's not acceptable anymore. And you as a player have a duty to the game and the core values of, of rugby union to to not take that any further. And I think as a, as a rugby family, personally, I buy into those values. And I, I, I found pretty much through the whole of my career, a majority of people will buy into those values as well. And I, I think that's where our, our game is. It sets itself apart is that we all buy into that because we are a rugby community and a rugby family. doesn't matter how you play the game or you're, how you're involved in that game. Amazing. Amazing. So, Sarah, are you on social media at all? Yep. So I've got Twitter and Instagram, um, at Sarah Cox Ref, um, Sarah without an H, unfortunately, which which causes lots of problems for me. <laughs> but <laughs> um, at the moment, I, I'm, I must admit, I'm not really posting too much on, on either of those platforms, um, just because, to be honest, there's not a great deal of rugby on, and, and I'm pretty sure that 
uh, people won't want to see what I do as a normal day to day life. So um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. They might. They might be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure walking the dog is is of everybody's interest. <laughs> Well, there's plenty of dog lovers in the UK, that's for sure. So, <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we look forward to seeing your pitch side. It'd be really great to actually have an interview after a match with a, with a referee. So we'd hope to do that in the future. We're really looking forward to everything getting back to normal as well and getting on the pitch and watching some games. Thank you very much for having me. I really, I really appreciate it. And it's, it's great to, to have a chat um, with you guys and kind of put the referee inside of stuff uh, across. So Brilliant. Hopefully, hopefully we'll start getting the, the old referee name out there and, and getting a couple of good to do with, with kind of how referees are looked at. Yeah. I'd love for more people to get involved. I really would. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much. Take care. Hope it all goes well. No See you soon. Thank then. you, guys. Bye now. Cheers, then. I'm absolutely amazed at the amount of scrutiny that referees have to undergo, but isn't she brilliant? Thank you so much to Sarah, and thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.